Let's go. Let's go. Mario and then your Bill Murray. Bill Murray? Steve Sizzle. Oh, Steve Sizu. 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 Babu. Welcome. Oh my gosh. What? Let me start. I'll wait. I'm just Welcome back to the show. Wait, 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 wait. Just gonna just, restart it. You can just cut it out. It's only 30 seconds. Oh, you're gonna restart the thing. Okay, my bad. <laughs> you're listening to the John Chi Show, hosted by three Korean American adoptees diving headfirst into what it means to be adopted, Korean American, and more. And now, here's your hosts, Nathan, Patrick, and KJ. Welcome back to the John Chi Show. I Welcome am back to the John Chi Show. <laughs> no, that did sound like a song. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't done an intro in a while, so uh, <laughs> I am one of your hosts, Nathan Nowak, along with Patrick Armstrong and KJ Relke. How are you guys? Nice silence. I am good. <laughs> the way you said, Don't how answer are you all guys? at once. I expected you to say, how are you guys doing? And then doing never came. So I was like, oh, I guess that was the end. So That was the end. Doing uh, less than stellar. I'm sick. Uh, I'm getting over a sickness. It's not bad mm. enough to keep me out of work, but it is bad enough to make me miserable while I do anything. Mm. And I haven't been sick in like years. So I'm just like, it's real unfortunate. So, yeah, But otherwise, I'm doing all right. Mentally, it's I'm It's usually good. my family that's sick, so... That's true. Knock on wood, yeah. Nope. Sarah was sick. You and don't she sound gave it to sick. me. Yeah, I was gonna so, say you didn't I sound sick. You feel sick. Yeah. You feel sick though. Yeah. That sucks. That does Sorry. Sense. Sorry for you feel better soon. You not feeling good. Yeah, I know. Are you sick, Patrick? I am not are you, sick. Are you are you getting a lot of sleep? I mean, I'm getting adequate <laughs> are sleep. Are you stocking <laughs> up on sleep? Exactly. Is what he's like saying. You're, it's like hibernating, you know, getting storing ready. your yeah. sleep tokens for the winter of <laughs> yeah. the birth of your baby. Yeah. I mean, when this episode comes out, I should be a dad. There should be a baby. So I so think you dun, said, dun, 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 yeah. dun. Uh, as of this recording, um, we just had today our 37 week, six day appointment. So wow. essentially 38 weeks. And Emily is. Yep. Beyond over this, ready to I'm go. Sure. And that last month. <laughs> well, she, asked, she asked about induction and uh-huh. essentially 39 weeks, you can you can do it pretty safely. And so I think as long as everything's okay next week, I think we might be hitting mm-hmm. in heading into that process. Maybe just mm-hmm. one week earlier. So we might be having a January baby. <laughs> oh, she's like very done with it. Oh, oh very yes. done. <laughs> oh, yes. Okay. I remember, Don't blame her. I remember. Don't yeah, blame her. To be honest, I remember do not those, blame her. Those, I mean, Allison had a lot of sleepless nights and and some uh, um, heartburn and, and, you know, just the standard yeah. back aches and and you know, swollen feet and stuff. So yeah, there was a lot of times where I was just like, I hope, I hope it comes, you know, the baby comes out soon and as well. But, uh, yeah, that's, uh, um, that last month I can't even imagine. So I can't even imagine. Emily, good on you. So yeah, yeah. read a lot of good, I mean, did a lot of research today about like what it is. And basically everybody says, you know, there's obviously always a risk for something, but Mm -hmm. pretty much if, you're ready to go and they say you're ready to go go for it 
everyone's like, I'm getting this damn thing out of me. <laughs> so I'm like, all right, let's do it. You're like, can we so, hurry up the yeah. miracle of life, please? I'm uncomfortable. Yeah, right. <laughs> I, I mean, we even went as far as to look at um, restaurants in when we were in LA at the time. There was like restaurants that supposedly had miracle salads that supposedly, <laughs> like, oh, really? Some, for some reason, if you ate the salad, it induced birth or something. I like didn't that. look so, up any like yeah. induction speed up methods, like accelerants, mm. but I did see, like, when I Google, when I was Googling, like, I did see that pop up uh, as like a question in the little drop down menus can you eat something yeah i mean i know uh, they yeah, talk i feel about like spicy, spicy food, food is the most <laughs> famous yeah but that just gives oh, you really? heartburn maybe yeah, like spicy like so. food. i was like just give yeah. her some jalapeno poppers and then pop out the baby yeah. that's how it works right <laughs> yeah we've never went through it before so that might be how it works i don't know <laughs> um <laughs> for the record this, you should not call your child my little jalapeno that feels, my little, <laughs> that feels yeah, racist it does feel in, pretty like, racist really bad ways um, I, I called my baby a gherkin. A gherkin? I don't, well, yeah, I don't know baby, what that is. It's a, it's a baby pickle. A baby pickle. Yeah. Little, you know, like the cocktail pickle pickles? Little cocktail yeah, yeah, pickles? Yeah. yeah, it's gherkin. Yeah, I like those. Um, <laughs> so this is early parenthood hour with the John G. Boys. Uh, for anybody new joining us here and is still listening three minutes into this podcast, this podcast five minutes in uh almost five minutes into this podcast we appreciate you if anybody joining us for the very first time john chi means to feast or to banquet in the korean language and that is what we do here on this show we feast and banquet at the end of every episode on a snack or a drink but before we get to that we feast and celebrate our stories and our shared experiences as korean american adoptees and talk about everything that goes along with it. So that's what we do. I don't know. I've been trying to figure out like the most succinct way to explain it. And I feel like two or three episodes ago, KJ, you did a really good job of defining it. And I'm like, I need to memorize what you said and say that every time. <laughs> I so, feel like what you said was saying was good. And then you trailed oh, off thanks. and made it long. I did trail off. <laughs> and then you <laughs> added a qualifier to make that's it longer. Yeah. I've been Midwestern. I've been Midwestern goodbying so hard recently. It's like I, I hate it. I've been so mad at myself. I'm like, stop talking, and I'll stop talking. Uh, my wife's family, they are the queens of the Midwestern goodbye. Uh, it's my I and my sister in law's fiance are always like, okay, bye, and then we head out the door. Smart, and they will stay and talk for like another hour i'm like this is a lot that's why i've been mad at myself because i feel like the conversation has clearly reached the end and like we have said goodbye and then for whatever reason i say something stupid and then like we keep talking i'm like what did i do it's not even that the conversation reaches the end it's like it ramps up a new level and they're like (laughs) all right we're gonna leave now and then like what so Speaking about conversations ramping up a new level, I cannot <laughs> wait to share this interview that we just had with Cosette Eisenhower Epp. Her official last name is Epp. We get into it in the, at the very top. You'll hear it. Um, but uh, it was a really, really good episode. And we talked for, it was like easily 50 minutes. And then I was like, oh, shoot. It's been 50 minutes. We should probably <laughs> think about the timing. Yeah. <laughs> and there was so much more we could have talked about, I know. So yeah. I, was, I had other questions, but I was like, no, it's we're already reaching that that cap. So, Yeah, I feel like she shared a lot and took each one of the questions that we did ask in really cool directions. And I definitely think it's an experience that 
we have not necessarily had in the show very often. Um, if at all, I would say this specific one. Mm-hmm. And I was just really appreciative of everything that uh, she shared with us. And I'm excited to share it with everybody listening. So, yeah, 100%. So, without further ado, here is that interview. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the John Chi Show. It's the interview portion. Uh, we're here with a very exciting guest and a friend. IRL, Cosette Eisenhower Epp. Cosette. <laughs> hey, guys. How are you doing? Cosette <laughs> EE in the building. I'm doing good. I only qualify with the maiden name because you literally just got married. And I don't even know if Yay. you've had time to make a name change legal. Um, but yeah, what? how are you? Uh, welcome to the show. How are you feeling at this moment in time? Thanks, guys. Um, but no, my DMV appointment's in March. So I like set that up before <laughs> I got married because I heard America takes a little long on that. Um, but I'm doing good. Um, life post marriage, I guess, is kind of just like hit and just running again, like with life. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I started my master's this week. So just going and going and going. Um, but the honeymoon was sweet of just like having a break and like a rest in life. So, yeah. Well, Congrats awesome. on beginning the master's program. I saw the LinkedIn announcement. <laughs> Thank you. <Yes. laughs> Where did you honeymoon at? Uh, Durango, Colorado. Ooh. Oh, pretty. I think that's on the cards for me this summer. What is in Durango? In Durango, they have like the, like the Silverton train that we were supposed to go on, but it broke 30 minutes on us being on it. Um, but we went to like the Durango hot springs. We stayed at like the Strader hotel, which is like a historic hotel. Um, it was kind of just like a small little town with like a bunch of different coffee shops in it. And we're both home buddies. And so it was nice not having to have to a plan to something every single day. Yeah. <laughs> Just a new coffee shop to try every day. Yes. It's interesting to think about how when I was growing up, there was one diner that had the coffee, maybe two, maybe there were two restaurants and now there's just coffee shops everywhere. Yeah. There was no Starbucks back then. Right? <laughs> no Starbs. Yeah. Very interesting. It is odd to, yeah. to think of a time before Starbucks. Yeah. It it is. Is. Just because it's like, it's so ubiquitous. Obviously it existed, but yeah, Starbucks killed the American diner. Okay. Well, anyways, Classic. before we get uh, too far <laughs> along with just general friendship, um, we're going to officially kick off the interview the way that we always do. Cause that please in as much or as little detail as you would like, please tell us your story. Yeah. So, um, I was adopted from China at 14 months old. Um, I was adopted from, Zhangjiang, Guangdong, China. So like Southern China, pretty much. Um, it's Guangdong's the province that surrounds where Hong Kong is. Um, for those that don't know geographical where that is. Um, so a part of my adoption story before I was adopted, um, was what we know from what they've given us was, um, I was abandoned at two days old. Um, And then I was brought to an orphanage and then I became um, a failure to thrive baby within the first 
within like three months of being in the orphanage. Um, and so I got put into a foster family at three months old until I was adopted when I was 14 months old. So I was in a foster family for about, for yeah, like 11 months. Um, then I was adopted to a white couple that lives in Texas and I've lived in Texas ever since that. Um, my, so I have an adoptive brother who's also adopted from China, but he's adopted from Northern China. Um, and so there's been like a lot of different, so like growing up for me, um, adoption was never a taboo subject in the household. Um, so my parents always, or at least my mom, a lot of the time tried to create the conversation about adoption when I was younger, like always brought it up, was willing to talk about it. Um, when I was younger, she realized I didn't really talk about, I stopped talking about my foster family, my birth parents. Um, and so my mom did a little activity, which kudos to her, because I probably would never have thought about this if I was an adoptive parent, if I'm being honest, um, did a little activity and it was a heart and then little cutout hearts. And so on the hearts, I wrote down what I, what was in my heart and she kept doing that. And so I just like, I wrote what I would put in my heart. My mom realized I never put my birth parents or foster parents in there. And she was like, well, what about your foster parents? And I was like, oh yeah, I guess I have room for that. Like, I guess my three, four-year-old self didn't realize that like I could have more than I could think in my heart, if that makes sense. Like nothing has to be replaced. Um, so my parents were very, um, they chose neighborhoods and schools and things like that based off of the, how diverse it was. Um, I never lived in a neighborhood that was white. It was always a diverse neighborhood just cause, um, that's something my mom said that, um, she always wanted, um, which as I grew up, I didn't realize growing up, I realized what she meant by that. But whenever I was a kid, it was like, we lived in like the neighborhoods we lived in and stuff. I was like, well, none of my friends from school live here. Like, why isn't it like that? Um, but I was always a transfer student too. So that didn't necessarily help. Um, but growing up, my parents, <laughs> um, we had, they tried bringing, um, the Chinese culture as much as they could into the house. Um, which was when I was five and then when I was in junior high and then once in high school, we hosted an exchange unit from China for a full year. Um, and then the one from, <laughs> I was, KJ was, I saw him like looking and I was also having the same thought of like, they only did Chinese yeah, culture stuff I was at like, five junior wait, so high, no. high school, like Chinese but it was New because year, they like, had the, yeah. a year of Chinese exchange student. That makes total sense. Math. Yeah. <laughs> That's why I was laughing. I apologize. No, it's all good. No, but we had the exchange students um, specifically live with us, but we did like Chinese New Year, things like that, going to um, KJ, you might know about like the Dallas Crow Museum had Chinese um, New Year things every single year there. And so my mom and I would go all the time. Um, 
And so we had an exchange student. The exchange student I had when I was five ended up being like my big sister. I mean, I was five. She was 17. And so that was one of my first big like, oh, there's like someone else living in my house that's not white. Um, And she has always been like such a dear friend. Her parents, when we went to adopt my brother, um, her parents were in the government and they found who my foster family was. And so when I was seven or eight, um, we got to go to China to adopt Daniel, but I also got the opportunity to meet my birth parents then. Um, and then pretty much just grown up knowing always I was adopted, um, just cause it was never a taboo subject in the household. Um, and then grew up going to different like heritage camps, like China camps, things like that. So, yep. Your story is really fascinating. Uh, thank you so much for sharing it. Um, I think it's like, <laughs> for anyone who doesn't live in Texas, and especially anyone who doesn't live in like a large Texas city, you definitely have an idea of who Texans are. And what was interesting to me was, even though I live here, and I think that I'm good at thinking in complex additive terms your story i was like oh your parents are not how i expected I, it was just like n- yeah. nothing about your story was yeah. how i expected it to go and i really love <laughs> like i'm i'm over here just been like you're like oh yeah my mom was like let's do a heart and let's figure out uh, an age-appropriate way to explain that love is additive and that there is in fact room for everything that makes you who you are and that's so lovely and i'm over here being like oh yeah that wait wait a minute i had to like check myself uh so yeah thank you thank you for for sharing that um I I guess I'm I'm curious like what I know that you had Chinese um exchange students and <laughs> you did maybe more <laughs> than celebrate some Chinese things every three <laughs> like at three points of your life but um were there recurring Chinese cultural celebrations in your home and what was it like um experiencing that with your family Yeah. So, um, Chinese new year was always like the bigger thing that we always did every single year. Um, and we still do it now. So as we got older, my mom bought a hot pot. And so we do hot pot every single year together. Um, and my mom, so my brother and I are in very two different sides, um, with how comfortable we are about talking about our adoption story. Um, Mm. And I think for me growing up with that was very difficult. Um, And so it's always been a, we're doing Chinese New Year stuff. We'd love for you to join. But if you don't feel comfortable doing it, we understand. Um, I think my brother did every single year, but I, there might've been a couple years where he just didn't join. Um, but we do like a hot pot. We invite friends over. Um, my mom makes it fun. She gets to like the, whatever the year is and gets like masks for us to have. Um, just like making it fun, really just talking about like when we have friends over that aren't necessarily like used to it, my mom takes the time to kind of explain what it is, why we're doing it. Um, and so I think Chinese New Year for us has always been um, one of the bigger, like Chinese celebrations that we do. Um, but then 
I know for um, the Mid-Autumn Moon Festival, there's FCC, so Families with Children Adopted from China and North Texas, um, always does like some sort of like moon cake-esque type of thing. And so growing up when I was a kid, we always went to that just because that was one of the ways where I could um, get in touch with more adoptees that were maybe my age, that um, it was really just like a time for us just to like have fun together. And so there's a group of nine or 10 of us that were all adopted, different agencies, but we were all a part of FCC North Texas growing up um, and all the same age. So we would do like... Mm regular American New Year together, Chinese New Year, um, and like get together three or four times of the year on top of going to Tulsa, Oklahoma for China camp. Um, And so for heritage camp. So off and on, we had that like every single year. It just depended on who knew how much everyone in the family was going to... um, be involved just based off of their comfortability with it um, in regards to like my brother and I. So. Sure. I think what's so fascinating to me and I guess I'll call it refreshing is to hear an adoptee experience at home. That is not like wildly problematic, even if it was a positive experience. It's like you have a lot of cultural appreciation within your home as a, as opposed to at least from what, from my perspective right now, what would be considered appropriation? You know, like yeah. I feel like we've heard stories where adoptive parents try to infuse culture, but it's more appropriative than it necessarily is appreciative. And then there's a whole dynamic there. And I think it's just refreshing to hear you share about how your mom like really worked to try and bring that appreciation into the home. And then also how you navigated that with your brother in terms of having wildly different experiences, but being like, you know, if you are open to this, it's here, it's it's there for you. If not, that's totally okay, too. I think that's just, again, really refreshing. You wrote in your form that your mom did... Let me just look it up real quick. <laughs> that your mom um, had went through, like, the process of kind of understanding adoption from maybe like an adoptee's perspective a little bit or did a lot of like education prior to adopting in the first place. I was Mm -hmm. wondering if you had any conversations like growing up about that particular process for her and how that helped kind of like influence the way that you would then navigate this experience for yourself. Yeah. So honestly, growing up, I really didn't think twice about it because I don't think I realized, um, until maybe high school that my experience with adoption was very different than others. Um, just because the other, the, uh, in the group of 10 of us, the other co-founder of, um, navigating adoption, like we were just like, we just always talked to each other about the experiences and they were both very similar. And so growing up like that, it was very much like, wait, whenever I got to a certain age, I was like, wait, not everyone has this. Um, And so I really didn't think twice about it. And then I started asking my mom, like, so why did you do all of this? Um, And I don't remember who she said, but someone suggested that she talk to the generation of adoptees above us um, and just ask them what they wish their parents did that they didn't have. Um, Mm. 
which I was like, that's, I was like, I don't know. My brain, when she said that was kind of like curious how she navigated those conversations, but haven't really (laughs) dig deeper into what, like how she actually did those conversations. And I know my mom's going to be listening to this podcast because she listens to it. So maybe I'll get the answer after. <laughs> Shout out Cassette's mom for listening yeah. to the show. Cassette's mom, come on the show. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I commend your mom for, for all of that. That's I think that's great. Um, yeah, I was curious to Patrick's question as well because um, both you and I were adopted through the Dylan agency, and and I had a, a little bit different experience. Um, not to say that my parents were great about raising me, but I don't think they had the uh, education or maybe any literature even to move into that um, area. And I was wondering, do you, when you were talking to your mom about that, did she have any, um, did she have any uh, guidance from Dylan or? Uh, did, did you ever, other than going to the camps themselves that yeah. were hosted by them? I think that she said that the social worker um, kind of suggested it. Um, and the social worker that helped with the adoption process for us has been apparently a dear friend with, to us. Didn't know that. My mom's <laughs> like, oh, yeah, she keeps asking about you. Like, my, they're Facebook friends. Um I like interviewed her apparently for like a pay. I don't know, but I think (laughs) (laughs) she came to my wedding shower. So I guess they're really good friends. Um, But my mom said someone from Dylan suggested that they like educate themselves about it. Um, So, but now Dylan's closed. So there's no ongoing on that one. (laughs) Yeah. How do you, how do you feel about that? Dylan. Yeah, I know we've talked a little about it on the side, but uh, um, yeah, how, how has that been going? Have you been navigating that, uh, talking with other um, Dylanites or you know? Dylanites? Yeah, that sounds like a biblical people. It does. Dylanians. <laughs> <laughs> um, kind of. Um, I mean, when we had the DFW Harvest, what did we call it, KJ? Uh, I called it the Harvest Hoedown, but it's Asian. Yeah, that one. <laughs> but anyone knows um, that name will never yeah. leave my head. Rent it's free so in my funny. brain. It's, my, it's the only joke it's that I'm like truly proud of. <laughs> there were two other adoptees there that um, we ended up meeting like two weeks after Dylan announced it. And so I knew when I got there, we would all be able to talk about it. Um about Dylan closing and everything. I think for me, it was, it didn't hit me until like a couple weeks, like a couple, like a week later things where I could finally process my emotions and thoughts about it. Um, I think it was, it was difficult because it was so abrupt. And Mm -hmm. I felt like, I was like, that's the start pretty much of my whole entire adoption process. Like, what do you mean they're closing? And so I had to like realize that just because Dylan wasn't closing, that's not where my adoption, the start of my adoption identity was like my adoption identity wasn't closing because of that. Um, I think that where I was the most frustrated with it was the fact we had to pay $50 to get our documents. (laughs) Yeah. And you could do it only by 
the yeah. December 31st of 2023. And let's yeah. just say with all the wedding stuff, I completely forgot <laughs> to do that. <laughs> um, but my parents have kept all my documents and everything. And I've always had free range to them. Um, I just also wanted documents in case those documents like got right. caught on fire or something. Um, and so I think that was the part I was the most upset with was because I was like, we didn't get, we didn't get the choice of being adopted, but we're having to pay for all the information about us, um, that we should have the right to. Um, and so I think with the Dylan, all of that, that's truly where I was just the most frustrated with just because I'm like, that's not okay for us to have to pay for it. Um, because no one financial aspects on things for people. Like some people might not be able to pay the $50 and they might have never been able to see their paperwork or documents or adoption files and stuff. And because Dylan's like, Oh, you don't get it anymore after the 30th, they're never going to get it. So yeah. Like how many people didn't even get the notice that there was this quick deadline and then yeah. they're like, oh, well, I guess I can't even apply for this now because it's January 2024. Yeah, there mm-hmm. was someone. So because I posted on the adoption account about Dylan closing and I had someone comment and be like, I had no idea they were closing. Thank you so much. So my brother can get his documents. And I'm like, mm. what? So, yeah, yeah. That's wild. I mean, not everyone gets the newsletter or <laughs> follows <laughs> the website. I mean, yeah, there had to have been and probably still is people who are like, wait, what? It's closed? And mm-hmm. so, um, That's true. But, I would wonder yeah. how many people don't know still. Oh, I'm sure a lot. But um, And the fact that, of course, um, the thing that kind of confused me was that um, there wasn't really an explanation of what they were going to do with any post-adoption care, the camps, mm-hmm. things like that. So for people like, um, you know, um, other generations that were using it, um, you know, still going to the camps and stuff, I mean, it's just like, uh, now what? And they they did send out a letter that said, "Here's some resources. Here's some places that uh, you know that you can go to and look at these camps and these conferences and things like that." So they were trying to at least spread some more awareness, but but it definitely seemed very abrupt. So mm-hmm. yeah. Um, speaking of these camps, and speaking of Dylan, uh, another thing that I was wondering about was that you know you said you went to you yourself were able to attend the camps and you had like a group of like nine or 10 people like adoptees that you would kind of see throughout the year as well. Um, and one of the things you realized was that your experience and story is a little bit different than others. Um, what were your conversations like and what were your, what was your kind of like initial reactions to hearing adoptees experiences that didn't necessarily like align in the same way that yours did? And was that kind of like, culture shock in a way or was it just something that you was it something that you were able to talk to your mom about how were those conversations how did you navigate that yeah so I think with that um because my brother and I had very different experiences with our adoption um with our emotions with adoption I think that truly helped me be able to not be like wait what like be Mm, ultimately shocked and stuff in front of someone um just because that was my brother and I were never able to talk about adoption growing up together. Um, just because that was something he just never wanted to talk about. Um, he, so with my brother and I, without saying too much of his own adoption story, cause that's his to share. Um, we, 
he was, there was a point in my life growing up where I had to draw the boundary between us. We were like eight or nine because he didn't, he didn't want to be Asian. And so he'd say like rude things towards Asians um, Mm. and be like, I don't want to be Asian. Like all Asians are ugly. And I'm here as like an eight or nine year old. He's 11 months younger than me. Um, trying to learn what it meant to be Asian American in Texas with a brother that's also Asian with two parents that are white with me being an adopted female that's Chinese therefore exotic. So it was just a lot of different things. So I was like growing up was like, I'm never going to be in the same room with my brother. If no one else is there, there was just a lot of boundaries that, I created growing up with us, um, which ultimately harmed our relationship growing up just because we're not that close. But I was able to really figure out my like adoptee identity then instead of later on and figuring out who I was as a person without the comments of how terrible Asians are, how ugly we look and stuff. Um, And so I think growing up with that constantly in the house, I think... Um, I kind of like when I heard other people tell me that they grew up differently, I was kind of like, oh, like I was like always wanting to hear it just because I was always interested. Um, once I realized that it wasn't just Daniel and I having the same, it wasn't just like us being different, um, and having two different perspectives and then it just got to be really interesting. And then, um, really just being like, whenever other people ask me about adoption, being like every person's like journey is their own perspective because of the own, because of the experiences that they've had with adoption. Um, and so. Um, you're, you're blowing my mind as an eight or nine year old that you were drawing <laughs> boundaries yeah. and also, okay. So um, just to reiterate, you wrote this in your form and I think you said it in, in our conversation, but just to reiterate, so you were adopted at 14 months and then you Mm -hmm. grew up and then you had a younger brother who is almost a year younger than you, but he was adopted much later in his life. Yes, he was, um, he was six years old. I was seven when we adopted him. I was seven. He was six. Okay. Mm. So you were adopted at 14 months. He was adopted at six years old. Yes. And so so you're (laughs) over here trying to be like, yeah, seven years old. And then like two years later, you're like, I'm drawing boundaries because we've talked about that apparently. (laughs) Like, what? Uh, And then, but your brother, who is six, has this whole life. And basically, I mean, the equivalent is like, of a, I mean, he's a kindergartner, basically. Mm -hmm. uh, But, and from northern China. So, I mean, like, that's like the distance of like Mexico City to Toronto, I guess. I don't know if that's accurate. (laughs) But it feels like it's a large, it's a large distance apart. And, uh, and so he's coming in as a six-year-old and now he's in brand new culture, already speaks a language and is having to learn English. Uh, maybe speaks, maybe, I don't know, maybe speaks two languages, depending on if he had an indigenous language. And then, yeah. And then he's also trying to figure that out. That is, that is wild. Um, and I want to, I want to talk to you about your podcast, but before we, we jump to that, do you remember what your seven to nine-year-old self was wanting to talk to your brother about, about adoption, about 
being Asian American, about being Chinese, because like, like so many of our guests and, and, um, I think the three of us too, like, we'll get asked like, Oh, if, if you had a sibling who was adopted, did you ever talk to your sibling about being adopted? And typically the answer is no, because we were just trying to figure out how to be alive in America, you know? And you're <laughs> like, um, yes, actually I was trying to talk to my sibling about it. So what were those, what were those early questions like? And did that, did the questioning or the lack of conversation lead to the podcast that you have now? Um, I think that one of the questions that I always, so like growing up, I've always struggled with like abandonment and stuff. And so I just like wanted to know that I wasn't the only one. Um, and so I was like wanting to talk to him about that, just like about his experience in China versus mine. Um, we grew up, once he talked about it a little bit more, once we were like, maybe he was like 13 or 14, uh, we realized we were jealous of each other in different ways. Um, mm. He was jealous that I grew up in America, that my adoptive parents have baby photos of me and they don't have mm. baby photos of him. Um, he was jealous that I grew up in America and he didn't. Um and that I spoke English and that my life was easier than his. Um, and then I, on the other side, I was jealous that he got to fully get to see the Chinese culture um, for s six years. Um, he got to talk with people. He got to see people. He didn't, that, like growing up, he didn't have the, I look different than them and having to like necessarily like watched his back, I guess, if that makes sense, for, like, bullying in the sense of American schools bullying. Um, and so growing up, it was just, like, questions like that of, like, what do you remember? Like, do you – what did you see that I didn't see? What experiences did you have in, um, with, like, Chinese New Year festivals, things like that, that I was never able to see? Um, and so – it was really just questions like that. And then when I got older, it was more of just wanting to figure out, um, being like, are you also wondering the same questions I'm wondering? Do you have the same questions you'd ask your birth parents? Um, so growing up, it was always, I always wanted to talk to him about all of these different questions, seeing if he also had questions he wanted to ask his birth parents or was it just me? Um, just things I really wish I like could talk to like a brother about that kind of went with through the same thing as me, but also a little bit different. Um, and so growing up, that was like hard realizing like that was never going to happen. And so over time I was like, okay, like I just can't talk about it. Um, to the point where growing up, there'd be times where like I couldn't talk about being Chinese, being adopted in front of him because he didn't want to talk about being Chinese or adopted. Um, so we had very two different experiences and growing up was kind of just realizing that that was completely okay. I appreciate you naming the okayness of it all, because I think that's something important for people listening to understand is just how wildly different experiences can be under the same household. Um, mm -hmm. particularly in the circumstances of you and your brother, um, two wildly different adoption experiences of like literally ages of when being yes. adopted and i can totally i guess not totally resonate but i can see where it would feel maybe overwhelming to try and like have that conversation even um on from his perspective 
And then from your perspective, feeling like this is like a, a, a connection that I can't have with anybody else that's right here under my own roof and how mm-hmm. that could feel overwhelming to not be able to get the type of answer that you want. And another thing that I wanted to name that you said that I think is important to call out is that I think for your specific experience outside of your, this relationship with your brother, you had, I mean, from what I've heard so far and heard you share it, a fairly positive adoption experience overall. However, you did say at the beginning of this answer that you struggled with abandonment as like a, as, as an issue. And I think I just yes. want to name that <laughs> because you have like a really bubbly magnetic energy. Like I like to listen to you speak and talk about your experience and you just have really good energy. I've met you in person. You had the same energy there <laughs> as well at the, when we were doing Noibong. But um, <laughs> I just think that I just think that it's important for us to recognize and for particularly for adoptive parents to understand that just because the the situation seems idyllic in whatever way you think that it is. The adoptive experience is much more nuanced. There is much more going on. There are many layers to said experience. And I appreciate you naming it because, I mean, just from your energy and just the, the, the parts of your story that you've shared so far, it can, I don't want people to get it twisted that it's like, oh, it's all sunshine and rainbows on your end, you mm-hmm. know, as well. Like you still can struggle with things. You can still go through certain aspects of the adoptive experience that people would generally label potentially ungrateful or, oh, you must be angry about that or whatever the case may be. So I appreciate you sharing that. And I just wanted to name that because I think it's important. Yeah, I think definitely like, um, although I have had a very positive adoption experience and everything, there's been so many emotions that like aren't what I guess, like what people might be considering like ungrateful and everything. Um, like, Like one thing I always struggled with was that like, so I, as a girl, when I grew up, I talked more to my parents about this and like fully told them about like this thing that they said to me whenever I was growing up, growing up, I was told like, when you, when we adopted you, you were the joy of the family. Mm. And so growing up for me, I was very like, okay, like I have to always be joyful. Like that's what my parents expect from me because that's what like they told me that's just what I was. Um, and so growing up, this was more of like end of high school, early college. When I finally told my parents about this, um, my mom was like, no, yeah, that's not what we meant at all. And so my mom and I, (laughs) (laughs) so my like parents and I just like talked about like the reason behind it and everything and why they said that. So for me, it was kind of like, Oh, like, they said something, they didn't mean it that way, but my brain automatically took it that way. Um, And so with that, like it was having, wanting to always impress my parents, even though like like, deep down, I knew they'd never abandon me. But at the same time, it was like, I've been abandoned once. My foster family didn't keep me what's stopping these people from not abandoning me after I've gone through two families already. Um, and I think a lot of that's just like, it's not talked about at all. Um, it's not really like, that's not what people want to hear about like adoption and stuff. But even if you've had a positive experience, um, with like my parents educating themselves, things like that, 
ultimately, like, there's so many behind-the-scenes emotions and um, things regarding adoption that one still struggles with. Like, I was not prepared for the grief of planning a wedding and dreaming of my adoption, like, dreaming of my birth parents being at my wedding. I dreamed that Mm. since I was four. And, like, as time went on, I'm like, it's not happening. And so, like, it was having to go through the grief of all of that um, was just one of the really difficult factors in it. And so like that I I just wasn't prepared for. And like we were talking about earlier, like I wasn't prepared for the changing the name, like my last name. It's literally been the hardest. Like I've been slowly changing it on different platforms, things like that. But I'm (laughs) But it's one of those where I'm like, this is the name that like I know for a fact I was given and it wasn't just like here, like that they've given me from the orphanage. Um, so there's just like so many complex emotions and the struggles of being adopted literally just happen when you least expect it. Yeah. And even though they said, even though you may have like interpreted it in a specific way that your parents didn't mean, like it doesn't make it any less valid that you interpreted mm-hmm. it that way and then lived your life that way. And I just want to say it is effing exhausting to be the joy, to be the always on at all times and be the happy person all the time. Like yes. <laughs> I've said that for so long. And I'm like, when I figured out that that's something I didn't need to do, I'm like, oh, this is why I get so f- absolutely angry at everything it's like i just have to go the other way because like, I'm i can cry in front of y'all now being happy exactly <laughs> <laughs> well, my wife still complains that she had to change her name from an asian name to a german name so. <laughs> but yet but yet i'm asian so i don't think we ever <laughs> talked about that <laughs> so that's a whole thing she's like oh i'm, yeah, I'm losing a little bit of my identity that. yeah no she was she was she almost kept it there was a there was a little hint that uh made her want to but uh yeah yeah. But yeah, I mean, I went from a German last name Eisenhower to a German last name Epp. So I'm wondering if there was a also a cultural difference of a last name, if that would also be another layer of just like mm. um, figuring out yeah. like, okay, so what now? Like when they hear my name because at Eisenhower, they don't think of someone that's Asian. Um, but my husband is half Hispanic, half white. And so his mom's maiden last name's Garcia. So if it ended up being Garcia, they would also not be expecting someone that's Chinese when they hear if it was Cosette Garcia. So never know. That just made me think of in middle school, there was a Hispanic student and my first day of middle school, somebody asked me if I was that student's brother. (laughs) I was like, do I look Hispanic? I'm like, I don't even know who that is. Honestly, hey, the, the way that people mistake non-white folks <laughs> sure. for yeah. each other is right. oh, yeah. insane. I do not <laughs> yeah. understand it. Because uh, you, you, you know Eskimo Joe's in, uh, still in Oklahoma? It's mm-hmm. on the way up to Tulsa. It's a, it's a restaurant. But it, I have a shirt. There are these famous shirts and it has a little Eskimo on it. It says, I wore that shirt and somebody asked, asked me if I was an Eskimo. You're kidding. Like, I Wild. know. Oh, <laughs> my God. Like, are you Eskimo Joe? I was like, this is, no, this is a restaurant. And also no, we're in Oklahoma. Not, and, <laughs> and, yeah, I mean, yeah, sometimes the idiocracy, I don't know. Mm-hmm. People suck. Yeah. Well, so you brought, I can't, I'm not, I'm trying to remember, but you brought up something. Oh, the grief of mm-hmm. planning a wedding. Um, I believe you wrote a little bit about that 
on the blog Instagram. Did you share a little bit about that? Before? Instagram, I did. Yeah, okay. I had okay. like I three so. different parts that I did. Okay. Um, well, I was I bring that up because not only have you been like doing this journey personally, but you started something navigating adoption um, that does a lot of work to amplify different experiences, talk about all of these things that's going on. So I was wondering if you could talk a little bit about that and clarify if you do or do not have a podcast. <laughs> oh yeah, because I'm an idiot and I just always think that you have a podcast. I don't know what's wrong with me. Well, okay. To answer the second question, I don't have a podcast. <laughs> All right. We got that one. Check the um, box. Right. <laughs> He's back in control of the soundboard. That was, that was what I felt when in our text thread, they were like, wait, does she have a podcast? It's not a podcast. It's, it's actually what's up. I'm like, ah, frick. My bad. My bad. Um, but yeah, so the other co-founder um, of, the, um, of Navigating Adoption she also grew up in um, DFW in North Texas and everything. And so we've grown up together since we were maybe like two or three. Um, and so out of the group of us, we were always the two that were always talking to each other about um, the adoption experience, being like, hey, I'm feeling this way. Do you feel the same way or is this just me? <laughs> <laughs> Like, just imagine, like, a, like, yeah, I don't even know. Maybe, like, a... <laughs> I can't even imagine it. <laughs> I was trying to remember when I got my first phone. But, like, just imagine, like, I think I was, like, 13, me texting on, like, one of the brick phones or something and being like, hey, do you feel this way? I'm feeling really lonely and I don't know why. I'm like, my mom just left. I'm feeling so anxious. <laughs> like... <laughs> Things like that. (laughs) Um, And so just like talking about that. So we grew up going to like um, the FCC events, going to um, Dylan International Camp, China camps together. Um, She was she wasn't adopted from Dylan, um, but my mom brought the heritage camps, I think, and explained it to FCC so that the people like the parents there knew about this camp. Um, mm. and I think that was back in 2005, so, I don't know, before we hit 2010. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, and so we kind of lost touch cause after, after I hit a certain age, China camp just felt very redundant. Um, and I really didn't want to go back to be a counselor It was kind of when my brother didn't really want to go anymore. Um, And so I was kind of like, yeah, I really don't want to be a counselor there because I'm learning a lot, but I really don't want to be like in charge of someone learning about it. And so we ended up stop. We did like stop going to China camp for a couple of years. And then I was like maybe 13, 14. Um, Zoe and I reconnected through Instagram out of the blue. Um, we met up at six flags, talked about being adopted and started the Instagram page (laughs) at six flags. (laughs) As one is one to do. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) Yeah. So a lot of time waiting in lines. I mean, it It was like, it was on the, it was on the log ride. Like we, 
definitely oh. remember this. So it wasn't in the very beginning. <laughs> in the very beginning, it wasn't navigating adoption. It was more of an account where we could openly talk about the struggles of being adopted in a space where like no one could judge us. So it was a private That's account. Six flags. That sounds six. like Six Flags. If I were to define I'm not, it, I'm a not space gonna be able to talk to about the struggles it. of adoption where no one's going to judge us. Six Flags. I'm not going to be able to get over Six Flags <laughs> in this. Like it's just so like such a deeply like local reference. I know there's Six Flags in other places, but just like wow, that wow. Yeah. We could have named it like the the Six Flags of adoption or something. Well, it used to be a place for adoption. At first, so it was a private oh, account. Oh, okay. It was a private account at first for like the lot for like a couple of years. We were very selective on who could follow. If they were adopted, they could follow. If they weren't adopted, they weren't allowed to follow. We like didn't accept them, um, just because we really wanted that safe space just to talk about being adopted and not feel like we were being judged by anyone. Um, and then over time we were like, okay, we should actually do this a little bit more after we talked about what we wanted to do about the account. Um, and so, um, then it ended up being navigating adoption and really just creating a space for other adoptees just to talk about their struggles in a safe space. Um, Mm. and I think for me, it's allowed me just to become a lot more vulnerable and, I didn't realize, like in the beginning, never would have thought I would ever share a letter that I would ever send to my birth parents if I ever met them, but I did. Um, So it just allowed me to become a lot more vulnerable and also be like, and just also share my emotions. And it's, I think for me, it's just been really interesting with me just sharing how I'm feeling, someone being like, oh wait, that's what it is. Like, that's what that emotion is. I think it's like, it's really interesting seeing all of the journeys everyone's had and the perspective that we all have. Um, And so that's pretty much with the account that we have. I know for me, when it was Nam two years ago, I made it my mission to have us post literally every single day. And I got so burnt out from that. (laughs) 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 <laughs> and like full full maybe like couple of months struggled to get the momentum to get back up again um and then we like because I never wanted to post because I felt like I had to post um something I always wanted us to be able to post because we wanted to not because we felt like we had to because that I'm like what, what's the whole reason then if we feel like we have to do it um right. And so that's why it's been a little bit more uh, dead on the page um, because we're, <laughs> we're going. Speaking of dead, I, I just went to that page Speaking and I totally forgot I was dead? on there. <laughs> no, I died a little because I went to that page and I saw my photo. And I was like, oh, yeah, that's right. I did something. <laughs> I like. So it's just been like. So Zoe is on a Fulbright scholarship in an Asian country. I really don't remember which Asian country. She's gone. I think it's Taiwan. She could be at Six Flags. We don't know. (laughs) I think it's Taiwan. And so with me finishing up with like my bachelor's and then getting married, we were like, we made a post in the beginning, like, hey, we're still here. We just like don't want to post because we have to. Um, And it's just been like, it's really just been sweet seeing the community just be really gracious with us. Um, Because in reality, it's, two 
22, 23-year-old girls running this page. And we have since we were like 13, 14. So. That's wild. So you have for basically half of your lives. And I'm glad that you gave your age because I wanted to tell the listener that you are very young. Uh, not that you just have like impressive. Bro, we're not ageist on this show. No, 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 no. Because on, like, if it was like, I mean, like I struggled to remember like three weeks ago. And because that's over here being like, oh yeah, here, here's what I was thinking about like at eight, nine years old. I'm like what, what, what? But like, I think because you're young, it's easier to remember those even earlier ages. Whereas like, if you're a little older, there's like, that was like a, a very long time ago. But um, yeah, I think that the, the work that you do is incredible. And the way that you think is, is fascinating. And um, there's just been so much, as you're telling your story, I'm like, man, this is like so many different circumstances that have allowed your brain to kind of open up this way beyond, you know, your natural giftings and how your, your brain is going to brain. But I'm curious, since you just recently got married, what were the conversations like um, around your spouse marrying an adoptee and about like having like that type of family structure, um, integrating into your own like family system, thinking about like the family that y'all want to have, like what were those conversations like? And I think we've had some of this, but I I'm curious because you're just like so freshly in it and of it, like not that this would have happened, like, uh, not that, you know, like he wouldn't have still been around before marriage, but like now it's official. Like what have those conversations been like? Yeah. So, um, we, I think from the not pretty much after we got engaged, I think we started more of the conversation. Oh, no. It was when COVID happened and everything, I think, um, was just talking about, like, this is what's happening to me. This is how it's affecting me and everything. And just talking about how I, I just don't know. It's where I'm still learning what it means to be um, Chinese in America, let alone in Texas, um, and trying to figure out and navigate, um, if I fit in, how I fit in. Cause that's always been something that I've struggled with, um, was the moment someone hears my name and it's like an Asian group, they immediately turn away from me. And it's like, it's one of those weird things. It's like, I tried joining a college camp, like a college, um, Asian club or something. And they immediately, like, they heard my name and the guy turned away from me and started talking to my friend who had an Asian name and mm. being like, I, I don't know within kids wise, like how that's going to happen because I'm like, I'm still figuring out what it means to be Chinese in America and really don't feel accepted, um, by people that are Chinese. And so um, but when COVID happened, it was kind of just talking about like the fears that I had with being adopt with being Chinese in America. And um then we kind of just like started the dialogue of um growing up like Chinese but having white parents and figuring out like when people like hear like my name and everything, they don't see someone that's um Chinese and like talking about the micro just really opening like not the can of worms because it was a very civil conversation um but kind of just like talking about what how I was feeling and him listening and then kind of vice versa because it was kind of him talking about like how um he's Hispanic and he's 
he's half Hispanic, half um, white. He's bilingual in Spanish and English, but growing up for him, it was very like, stop trying so hard. Like, why are you Mm. trying to speak Spanish? And so it was kind of like, it was interesting seeing it from someone's perspective that wasn't adopted. Um, And so the biggest thing that we've been talking about is like, so we do realize our kids will be half Chinese, a quarter white, a quarter Hispanic. And how's that one going to (laughs) go? 100 percent white, 100 percent Chinese, 100 percent Hispanic. So it's just been trying to figure out um, things like that. So like one of the ways in um, our wedding, the table numbers, we had um, the table. It's a table. And then in Mandarin, English and Spanish, it had the table numbers in it. Um, and during rehearsal dinner, I wore a traditional Chinese dress. So it was just like, am I, and Jordan, my husband wore a Chinese shirt. My dad got when we were in China adopting my brother. Yes. So it was just like family ties trying to incorporate both cultures into one, um, starting from the wedding. Um, and we had like a wedding newspaper and in the wedding newspaper, when it had a, like, people we wish could be here, it was pretty much everyone that had passed. Um, yeah. I had um, a note to my birth parents and my foster parents there. Um, kind of just, like, a, just a little note about how I wish they were there, things like that. Who knows if anyone read it, but to me, I was like, they need to be a part of this somehow. Um, and so I really don't know if I answered your question. No, I, I think it's it's uh, <laughs> um, going for that that mute button. Um, I I mean I just am so curious about like especially knowing that your spouses also exists in that um, third culture space and like having like a a family that then is entirely <laughs> third culture e I think is just really really interesting. Um, I love the idea of having a ofrenda slash whatever the Chinese. And like the Buddhist style, like here's my things honor to my ancestors thing. Like it's your wedding. It's in the newspaper format, but you know, still that like the idea of here's three cultures that we're bringing together. Here's people that, that are, are important to us, um, coming into this space. Um, yeah, I don't know. I could probably talk to you for hours and I think that there, I think, I'm just going to put this out there. Um, there's probably a world where you and I and Jennifer and Stephanie all have another episode and we talk about being Asian in Texas. Uh, um, bonus! And <laughs> not... Especially, so we just had um, Dr. Kim McKee on to talk about her latest book, which I'm, I think that you would be really fascinated in, um, in reading. Um, and if that book taught me anything, it's I should just, again, just reiterate how much I should just shut up and listen. But I think <laughs> that uh, those, uh, having you three on again and talking about that would be really interesting um, and something worth doing. So if you're out there and you're listening, give me, give me a shout. Um, I think we should probably transition to our snack our drink that we can eat if if you will <laughs> um so Don't we're gonna we're, we're gonna do that uh here we're gonna take a quick break and we'll be back with a snack 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 snacks
Welcome back to the John Chi Show Snack Time. We are here with another snack after a great interview. Uh, Cosette, I sent you one of these little chocolate uh, um, boxes. And it's funny because it is not from Korea. However, it is a Korean company. Um, mm. So these are technically Korean, but this one was <laughs> produced in Japan. So I don't know. Real confusing, right? But uh I learned something by researching this um, also. The name of this chocolate is Ghana. It's made by Lotte. Um, but the reason they named it uh, Ghana was uh, because one of the world's largest exporters of cocoa beans is Ghana. So. That makes sense. Maybe they use Ghanaian, Ghanaian, <laughs> Ghanaian. cocoa beans <laughs> to make this chocolate. Uh, possibly, but I will not... I don't know. I can't tell because everything is in Japanese on this they package. They spell hazelnut differently. What? I saw that. Yeah. Yeah. They spelled it with an E, H-E-Z instead Hazel. of an H-A. Hazelnut. Yeah. Hazelnut. Could just be some, yeah, could just be misspelling. But uh, um, either way, I don't know. These looked good. You're not and, allergic to any of this, are you, Cassette? Please don't no. do our show. I guess I should have asked if you were allergic to nuts. <laughs> we I didn't actually we see do that. not have show insurance. <laughs> yeah. I will not be giving these to my kids, but uh, yeah, I mean, when you click, when you fill the form out, you click some disclaimers at the end. That, yeah, that anyone that's on the show, anyone that's on the show, just now know yeah. if you die, it's on you. If you die, it's on you. <laughs> if you die, you die. Yeah, can't do nothing about <laughs> Don't it. Don't blame them. So you're saying we should add a uh, food allergy question on our <laughs> intake form? Probably. I'm saying that we, if we don't have one on there already, we've messed up severely. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we gum this far without it. Oh. Okay. Like so how many, how many past guests have we not talked to? They might be done. Which yeah. way? Which way did y'all open this? Because there's two ways to open the, the box. The really cool way. Yeah. yeah the fun yeah, way. So there, Out of the there top. is the cool way, but then there's also like the to go way, which I don't understand. Oh, I, I see, I see, I see. Like it's perforated, right here. like uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, like on the side, oh. you can open it from the. Well, so really but on the sides. on the top, when it has like the open, you can like put it down, and it like latches. So you could reseal it, I guess. I guess but it's so. in a sealed container oh, on the look, inside. Look, so you like, can just do this, and you just pour them in there. It's a little tray. There you go. Yeah, this ah. is way too. Now I got a little tray. Honestly, the box, I know we're not recording uh, video, but the box interior has a lot of cool stuff going on. It's cool. I, it does. It's a it's cool almost, inside. It's, it's very like, you know, Japanese anime kind of. Like I wish I could read it. Yeah, I know. I would like to know who, who is versus who. Like, what's happening here? <laughs> who versus who? It's true. It says Ghana versus Ghana. Uh, That's what I'm saying. Like, like, it looks like the same thing. <laughs> chocolate nuggets. Yeah. Well, yeah. from the outside, I was trying to figure out if it was going to be like crunchy or if it was going to be like soft. What did you guess? I think mm. I chose crunchy. Mm. This does look like it's about to be crunchy. It is crunchy. crunchy. It's <laughs> it's crunchy delicious. Oh, wow. yep. you know, yeah. you knew mm -hmm. what I you knew what I'd be like. I saw this and I was like, I don't care if it's from Japan. Hey, I will say the, like it. the last two <laughs> snacks that we've done started here, went back, went down. So mm. I don't want to get my hopes up too high. <laughs> I'm about to I eat this know. whole package. I was going to say, I already ate the second one and it, I feel like it's going up in rating for me. You, you know what these remind too? me of? How many of you have had the uh, the puppy chow? You know, the Chex Mix with that's 
chocolate mm-hmm. peanut butter coated. Hi, Sarah. So, shout out voice of the show, of. cameo voice of the show. These remind <laughs> me of um, Hello Panda. Mm. Oh, oh yes, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yes. Both. That's, that's I would probably chow. Yeah. Hello Panda. Churro, churro, the turtle chips, the the churro flavor. Mm. It reminds me of those because there's like a a bunch of chocolatey goodness in that one. Just try some. Don't give me that look. Just try some. Good. These are good. Mm. KJ, what does Sarah think of them? Or did she try it? Out of five? Four. Gives it a four. Four? Mm -hmm. I just spit everywhere. Patrick's offended. <laughs> How dare so, you? He was so offended he spit on his mic. Yeah, that's uh, disgusting. Apparently, so this comes in filter. four. It comes in four other flavors: red, black, white, and beige. <laughs> what? <laughs> that's all flavors. Those are colors. Do you know how flavors yeah. work? <laughs> no, I get it. I feel you. Yeah. So it's a it's a chocolate variety, I guess. Which I don't understand why the red is. Oh, red is just milk chocolate. So. This must be dark chocolate. Yeah, oh, this that's like why I like it so much. Yeah, because yeah. dark chocolate's the bomb. The healthiest version. Uh, What's <laughs> beige chocolate? Would like be caramel? Like white chocolate, white? Right? I don't know. Topo? Topo. Like <laughs> Nathan, do you know how flavor works? <laughs> I'm just going off the website. All right. Um, well, I'm going to jump into my rating. I'm going to give it a, I, I think I'm going to give it a five out of five. I can't fault it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's pretty, pretty intense. It's great because it's got like cocoa on the outside, like flaky powdery goodness. And then whatever the interior is, it gives it that crunch is good. Mm-hmm. And then the inside, it's that filling that that's, I think where you get that, that like Hello Panda style, like filling of chocolate. And that's yeah. also delicious. So, uh, yeah, I, I think it's great. It's dark chocolate, which is also great. I just recently had, uh, randomly like a Kit Kat bar, which is milk chocolate, uh, and Love did not Kit like Kats. it that much. What? Uh, cause it's cause it was milk chocolate. And I was like, man, anytime I go um, back to milk chocolate, I'm just like, this is not good chocolate. So five out of five for the dark chocolate Ghana, I would actually argue it's probably just called like, yeah, Ghana chocolate biscuit. Uh, so thanks Lote for this. African slash Japanese slash Korean snack. So this shouldn't be confused with uh, that Ghana also, or Lote also makes a Ghana chocolate bar. So these are... Please don't confuse them. These are little chocolate, like, round nuggets, not the chocolate bars. So just to... I would argue they're biscuits. Um, Yeah. You should probably talk with Lote Marketing to say make it less confusing. Lote's product marketing team at us. But I also give it a five out of five. So uh, this is delicious. I wish there was more, actually. That's the only thing that would make my rating above a five is if there was more in that package. I actually just gave them to my wife, and she was like, oh, like she just took them. (laughs) She was like, oh, are you eating them now? And I was like, she was like, yeah, so I just, can I have one more? And then, (laughs) Cosette, how many uh, African continents do you give it out of five? Are there more than one African continent? <laughs> no, that's being this rating system. <laughs> Countries, I think. Okay, I think I give it a four and a half because I don't like how it kind of sticks to your teeth. Mine's kind of stick to my, like, mine was kind of sticking to, like, the molars. 
after I was, it was like after I ate it, oh, and that right. was the okay. that was the only yeah. reason why I'd like give it half a point under. But I, it's in the really same good. way that like a goldfish might stick to your teeth, yes. not like anything, yeah, not yeah, like a a fruit roll up would stick. Not to your like teeth. something chewy. It's yeah, it's like how yeah. a goldfish sticks to the back of your molars. Oh, right. no, I want yeah, a fruit your dentist roll-up. wouldn't be happy. So, all right, Patrick, bring it home. I just went to the dentist the other day. Um, I'm giving it a five. This was a great snack overall. Got no nothing else to say that other than what everybody else has already said. I will say that if it's got chocolate in the name, I'm probably gonna like it. So it's five out of five. Especially chocolate. especially if it's from Ghana. <laughs> yeah, no, this is why good. you gotta be like that. What? It says they're the number one one of the best import- exporters. <laughs> If they know what they're doing. He's a You were just like, Chad GPT, give me some quick facts about chocolate from Ghana. Just so I can <laughs> spitfire them out on the show. <laughs> Who should do that? <laughs> Why would you do that? <laughs> oh. You could ask me right. another chocolate in- exporter and I would only know Ghana. maybe the UK. Okay. But. He's like, I thought you were about to rattle off like three of them. I'm not going to. No, yeah, and I would only know all of them. Here we go. <laughs> Ready? We got Switzerland. We've got you. Here we go. Cadbury. Yeah. Is that, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for, for having me. A really great conversation <laughs> yeah. interview and a really great snack portion. Um, if people want to follow along with you, even though you're very busy right now, if they want to, where can they do so at? Um. So on we're mainly on Instagram. So navigating adoption, navigating underscore adoption on Instagram. Um, but right now my personal Instagram is Cosette Eisenhower, which is spelled C-O-S-E-T-T-E-E-I-S-E-N-H-A-U-E-R. <laughs> Got it. Wow. Just you imagine don't have to do that anymore. Yeah. 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 So, Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, we will have all of those things linked in the show. Those two things, I guess, linked in the show notes for people to follow. Remember, Navigating Adoption currently on a break, but they are still here. They both are doing amazing things, Zoe and Cassette. Cassette it's not a podcast. Again, it's not a podcast. Do not we post occasionally. <laughs> yes. They post occasionally, but they are here doing the work. Um, but really appreciate you coming on. I'm sure you, KJ, uh, Stephanie, and... Jennifer. I can't. Jennifer. Jennifer. <laughs> I knew it was a J name. I knew it was J name. Good friend of the show. Jennifer. I saw your brain <laughs> just friend. like turning off. I could my just brain shut down in that moment. <laughs> it's the chocolate. I went back. I was found myself in Ghana just eating some good chocolate. Um, I'm sure you guys are going to have a good conversation at some point in the future. Hopefully on the show as a bonus episode. But until then, you can find us on all the social media platforms at John Chi Show. You can go to our website, johnchishow.com, to see all the different cool stuff that we have on there, including catching up on all of our latest episodes. Uh, if you want to leave us a rating or review on any of those different platforms that you can find us on, wherever you get your podcasts, that would be great. We'd greatly appreciate that. If you want to send us a message outside of Instagram, you can do so via email to johnchishow at gmail.com. Or you can leave us a voicemail at 972-677-8867. Got it on the first try. One verse, <laughs> one purse. Uh, last but not least. What? What? One verse, one purse? What? One verse, one hearse. Like one rehearsal. Oh, I landed wow. a rehearsal. Oh, okay. uh, you know, a hearse is like what takes coffins to the gravesite. <laughs> yeah, but it's, a, it's an abbreviated. It's a, it's a, yeah, it's abbreviated to hearse. 
anyways, if you want to hear more incredible abbreviations so for hip. me, you can find me at Patrick in the world, wherever I want to be found on the internet. Holla at me at KJ Relke, please. And thank you. Yeah. Holla holla. I'm uh, and no walk on Instagram and Nathan no walk on Facebook. Oh yeah. That's the Still. one I always forget. Nathan is also manning Still. the Jachi show after party on Facebook. I uh, wouldn't consider it manning. <laughs> Nathan is, it does <laughs> exist there. on the same platform where the after party also exists. Um, we got to, we got to do something with that and take it off of there and do something different. We'll Maybe. figure it out. We'll figure it out. Or we won't. Um, or we won't. <laughs> or we won't. I'm still it's trying fine. to, I'm still trying to put aprons on the website. <laughs> okay. Well, at some point you will find aprons on the website. Cause that, yeah. thank you so Sorry. much again, uh, for being here yes. and for everybody else until next week. John G. Hey, hey, hey.